my worth was not in what I could or couldn't lift, but me as a human being. This is where you're meant to be. Like, I know it. I've never my best self is better than every single person who's going to walk on that platform that night. Gosh, man, that was, was a moment to change my life, man. Work harder than everyone else and just keep going. Get up and do it again and again and again. The journey to a better you starts right now. Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome back to the Better Than Yesterday podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. My guest this week is Lily Salisbury. Lily is an Olympic weightlifter and also a competitive CrossFit athlete. On the episode, we dove into her background in sports and specifically weightlifting, how an injury got her into CrossFit, and just some life lessons that she's learned through coaching. So this is an episode I really enjoyed. I hope you guys do as well. It's any skill. Like some people you're born with like innate skills that you're really good at, but we really have any skill that anyone else has in the world. We have that in our toolbox, but it's just, we have to cultivate it. And it might be a little bit harder for us, but you can do anything that you want to do and be amazing and incredible at it and make that become your art. You just have to cultivate it. Yes. The growth mindset. Yeah. You just, it's, you just have to be open to, working and cultivating it but you have any skill that you see other people have that you like admire or want to be you can do that thing you just have to be open to putting the effort into doing it and cultivating that skill yeah a lot of times with social media too we forget that people started we forget that people have been doing stuff for thousands of episodes or have been training for years We just see the right now and we're like, oh, they're so good at this thing. And we forget, oh, they were a beginner once too. Maddie Rogers wasn't a great weightlifter as soon as she picked up a barbell. Yeah. I mean, I think that some people do, she wasn't, but I do, I do believe that some people were born a little more um, ahead of the game than others or just the background. Like she was an elite um, cheerleader. So just like things from her past helped her be amazing quicker, but I don't, I still think that, yeah, anyone who, where they are now, like, I think a lot of times too, with social media, we compare our chapter one to someone else's chapter 50, you know, and we forget, oh, that is their chapter 50. And I am just starting, but that's okay. Like, we're all going to have a different like timeline and a different way of getting there, but there's no right or wrong way. I don't think It's just we're going to have our own unique way, and that's totally okay, too. Yeah, unless I'm trying to play in the NBA. I'm five foot six, so no matter what I do, it's not going to happen. Okay, well, there's a little bit, yeah, there's a little bit to you have to be a little bit realistic as well, but that also doesn't mean you couldn't become a really good basketball, maybe not the NBA, but a really good basketball player as a hobby or, I don't know, whatever you would do with that. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. So what's uh what's your athletic background? How do you get into the sport of weightlifting? Um, okay, so I was a gymnast when I was younger. Um, and I started really late. I started when I was 12. Um, but I kind of just progressed. So when I was super young, we actually didn't have enough money for me to do gymnastics. So I learned so I taught myself a wheel, a handstand, a back bend kickover, a round off back handspring a back walkover, the splits. Like I had all of the like kind of foundational stuff I taught myself. And so then when I was 12, we, I finally was able to start gymnastics. I kind of just like progressed really fast. And I did that through my junior year of high school. So through regionals, um, at, at a pretty high level. Um, and then I wrestled for one season. So like probably like six months. And then I, placed at state and I got invited to go to Fargo which is like where you take the top two state placers from every state and you guys go to this thing called Fargo which is like a camp during the summer for like six weeks I want to say it was six weeks um and you do this intensive camp and then at the end of the camp you wrestle to get um to like put a title on the best wrestlers in the country um but I didn't really love wrestling that much. And I didn't want to spend my, because that was junior year. I didn't want to spend my senior year summer going to um, wrestling camp. So, um, and then I started, we had CrossFit at my school instead of PE. 
So that's kind of how I, I started crossfitting for a little bit in school. And then I started weightlifting and then I was going to junior, like within a few months, I was qualified for junior nationals for weightlifting. Um, so I was doing all four of these sports, like competitively at this point. And they said, you had to choose one. So I chose weightlifting. I don't even know why I didn't even like it. I was just like, yes, choose weightlifting. So now we're here. Here we are. What do you think made you teach yourself the gymnastics skills? Because a lot of kids, if you don't have a coach or anything, like what do you think was your mindset that made you teach those skills on your own? I thought gymnastics was the coolest thing ever. And I would watch people in the Olympics. We had this little tiny box TV growing up, like the size of my head, like tiny, tiny box TV. And um, we would always watch the Olympics on it, like uh, gymnastics. Like I remember watching Sean Johnson and Nastia Lukin, like, and I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. So I would just hours and hours on end be in the front yard, falling on my butt, falling on my face, teaching myself how to do these skills because why not? I don't even think that I thought it was an option to not learn. I was like, yeah, I'm going to learn. This is awesome. So I just did. Yeah, that's really cool. I think that's a good skill to have when you're younger to be able to teach yourself stuff. I remember we used to have this thing on demand that was called sports school. And I taught myself skateboarding, watching these sports school videos. I never amounted to anything in skateboarding, but it's just <laughs> cool that, that there's these videos and now there's YouTube. Now there's Google, like you can learn anything, but it's just cool that you had that at such a young age. Yeah. Well, I think part of it too, was I was an only child. Um, so I had no one to play with, so there wasn't a whole lot to do. Um, so I, yeah, I pretty much just played with bugs all day and <laughs> taught myself gymnastics. <laughs> Good hobbies. Yeah. And you play, so you're talking about four pretty intense sports, none of CrossFit, uh, wrestling, weightlifting. These are like mentally challenging sports. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, with gymnastics, I wasn't very mental at all. Um, wrestling, you don't want to get your face beat into the ground because I was wrestling guys all the way up until state too. Um, so you pretty much are just like, yeah, I don't really want to get my face shoved in your crotch or on the ground. So you're going to fight to not get beat, you know? Um, and I pretty much did that because I didn't know what else to do with myself because I wasn't doing gymnastics anymore because um, I – uh, for regionals, like it goes state and then regionals for gymnastics. Um, everyone's in the gym, like four, like five hours a day or not five hours a day, five days a week, four hours a day. Um, but we couldn't afford me to go be in the gym that long. So I would go three days a week for two hours, throw my skills, like just go in, do my routines and leave. Cause I couldn't be in the gym enough cause we couldn't afford it. Um, so you don't have time to be mental for that. You just got to go in, get it done get out pretty much. Um, and then wrestling I just did because I didn't know what else to do with myself and I was just strong enough. So I was good. I was not very technical at all. Um, but I wasn't very mental. The only sport that I was, I am very mental in currently is weightlifting. And that's it. Yeah. That's been a long, still working on it. <laughs> Yeah. And you've shared a lot of your weightlifting journey on your Instagram. So let's kind of get into that when you were first getting into the sport, like what, what was training like and how, um, how, Oof. like, let's talk about the mental game during that time. Oh gosh. Okay. So there was absolutely no mental game. Um, I mean, my whole life growing up, I think this started very, very young. Um, but every single coach that I ever had never talked about the mental side of sport. It was physically, it was strictly the physical side. And be, I think because, and I am not trying to sound arrogant, but I was good at those sports. They just always expected more from me physically, but never checked my psyche side, you know? Um, and so I never felt like growing up, I was ever good enough at any sport. So I didn't learn to be proud of myself until probably like a year and a half ago. And I've accomplished a lot in sport, but I was always in striving of pleasing 
my coaches. Um, and so like when I quit wrestling, I got cussed out when I quit, um, CrossFit, uh, my coach told me you're giving up on everyone and everything that ever made you, you like verbatim. Um, and then my gymnastics coach was just like, all right, like she knew just cause we couldn't afford it. So that was like actually ended. Okay. Um, and then, so then I started weightlifting and one of the first things this weightlifting coach ever said to me was you are my golden ticket into the weightlifting world. And being young and naive as I am, I was like, okay, cool, whatever. Like, but in hindsight, I think that that's an extremely selfish and terrible thing to say to a 17 year old who, or like 16 turning 17 year old that doesn't know anything. Um, because that the whole, I think the whole reason to be coaching is like, and I'm a coach now as well. Like all I want to do is see my kids succeed and my athletes succeed. Like that is what matters. My, my like getting recognition for whatever happens or whatever is great if that happens, but ultimately like I'm there for them to succeed. Right. Um, and that is not what happened in my, with my first weightlifting coach. Um, and he, um, I only grew up too. I think this also played a role in it. I know I'm taking the long way there right now, but no, I grew up with just my mom. So I grew up just my mom and I, and I was adopted from China. Um, but so the reason I say that is I never had like a fatherly figure in my life. Um, so I think that whenever there was a male person in my life, I would kind of attach to that and like, want that fatherly figure. And he was kind of the first one that was a fatherly figure in my life. Um, and so, um, but as, so as time went on with him, he would, um, pretty much belittle me every single day. And like, if I missed a snatch or I didn't do exactly what he wanted, he would pull me aside and say like, you're not producing what I want you to produce. I don't know if you're worth coaching anymore blah, 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 blah. But then if I did do well, or it was right before competition, he would be super nice. He'd be like, oh my gosh, you're doing amazing. Good job. And then I would start doing better because I respond really well to positive reinforcement. Negative reinforcement crushes my soul because I'm a very sensitive person. <laughs> I think everybody, I think that hurts everybody. And that's so much pressure to put on somebody. Every single lift, you must be like, oh my God, I got to make this every time. Yeah, it was, it was like that. And then it was also like, if I don't make this lift, he doesn't love me or I'm not worthy of his time. And he, and the thing is, is like, he made that apparent because, um, after my second junior nationals, my first junior nationals, I got second in clean and jerk and that was it, but I still podium, which is great. That's like six months after I started. Great. Um, and then the second time, I got a third, like across the board, uh, snatch, clean and jerk in total. And after that um, performance, he met me in the training hall. And he said this in front of my mom. And he said, I mean, I'm going to spare you the, the words, but it was, why are you lifting like such a bleep, 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 like pretty much like a baby. Like if you would have just made what I told you to make, you would be going on some team or whatever it was. Cause I mean, I was capable of it, but I missed my last two, my last snatch and my last clean and jerk. Um, and then afterwards he's like, I don't know if I want to coach you anymore. And then we went back home. Like we traveled back home and he, um, didn't show up to training for two weeks. And then when I asked his wife, if I had a program, she's like, no, you don't, you don't deserve one. Um, so yeah. And so then, um, it, that's kind of when I was like, I don't know if I can handle much more of this. Like I started feeling really sad a lot and it started making me not like weightlifting. Um, and I had, I remember asking him right before that meet when he was being super nice, I was like, you're being really nice. Why aren't you nice like this all the time? And he said, well, because if I'm nice like this all the time, it won't produce the same thing because then it's nothing special if I'm nice to you all the time. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> which in hindsight, no, it does not at all. But um, yeah, so then 
I got in touch with Greg, who is now my coach. Um, and I actually, it was funny. I actually switched to his team for a week, told my other coach I was leaving and he talked me into staying. So I told Greg, Hey, actually I'm going to stay with my old coach. And then I stayed with my old coach for like two more months. And I was like, this is not what you said at all. You're still not coming to practice. You're treating me terribly. And I finally switched to catalyst. What kept you going during that time? Like, why didn't you just quit weightlifting? Um, because I was striving to feel loved by my coach. And because he, he would tell me like, oh my gosh, I wish like you were a part of our family. We love you so much. Like he was such a man. He was, I don't want to say manic, but it was so like bipolar and like, it was just, honestly, it was a very abusive relationship that I didn't understand how abusive it was because all I wanted was to feel loved. And all that's literally, that's all I wanted. And, um, and so I would strive every day to show up. And I think too, innately inside of me, I am a competitor and I want to do well by myself, by myself and by other people. But I mean, really, it was the striving to feel loved and a part and like worthy of someone's time. Yeah. And I guess when you're doing well, in spite of your coach, when you were doing well, that it seemed like it was worth it, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, I think I also just didn't know. I mean, honestly, it didn't ever really cross my mind to not weightlift because I got a few wrestling scholarships actually to college um, that I turned down and then I had a full ride to Portland state. Um, so I went there because I was training in Portland at the time. Um, so I just did that. I mean, and then I left and moved to central Oregon. Yeah. I don't like, I mean, coming to Greg, that poor guy, dude, I've put him <laughs> through the ringer. Not really, but like I was, a mess and he has Greg has changed my life like the amount of what he has done for me is I can't even put into words how grateful I am for Greg what are some of the techniques that he used you don't have to give give away the details but what are the conversations that you're having after you're coming out of this terrible relationship with your coach well, first it was, I got to, I had told him when I was switching over. So pretty much what happened was I finally, I had never been to central Oregon. I didn't know it existed. I thought Oregon was Portland period. Like, so I went over and I met Greg and then for like three days and then I stay and then for three days and I stayed with these people from church and um, leaving, I was like, yeah, Greg, I'm going to move out here, which was a bold faced lie. I have no clue why I said that. And, but I, so like a faith is a huge part of my life. And, um, I'm not kidding you a week later, I was moving out here. I had a job. I had a place to live. I like had everything. And so I told my mom, I was like, I'm, I'm leaving. And I moved out here. Um, and it was the worst two years of my life. <laughs> like, um, he was first, it was me. I had already told him I was getting really mental with like snatching. It really was snatching. Um, and because I got hammered on all the time for not making a snatch and how it was wrong and how I couldn't do it, whatever. Um, so the conversations pretty much went like this. I would, sh I would have a panic attack on my way to the house every day. I would get to about 60 kilos in my snatch and I would have a full blown panic attack and start crying every day for two years. Um, and it would be Greg just kind of honestly, like talking me, like, I think the biggest thing that Greg did was one, validate what I was feeling and what I was going through because I didn't really understand how abusive the relationship with my past coach actually was and what I had gone through. So I think that I had honestly had some PTSD from that. 
Um, so every time I got to a certain weight on the snatch is when I would start failing with my old coach is when I started getting belittled and dumbed down and all that kind of stuff. And so then my body just started, its reaction was just to cry and shut down. Um, and Greg just like validating that and then actually giving me a place to cry and then just telling me day in and day out, day in and day out, like, I love you. And like, and he put it very bluntly, like point blank, bottom line, I don't really need you as an athlete because he's very successful. He doesn't need any athlete really, but he's choosing to stay with me and love me through what I was going through, you know? And so it's making it like, your worth, my worth was not in what I could or couldn't lift, but me as a human being. And like learning that people love us, not for just our abilities or what we can do, but actually who we are as people. Um, so him going through that with me day in and day out, year after year, um, is kind of how... I got better, I think. Yeah, you forget that sometimes. Like you're wrapped up in the gym for two hours, three hours, five days a week. And weightlifting is a sport where you're either lifting the weight or you're not. You're making lifts or you're not. So it's very results-oriented. But you forget that sometimes, that people are going through stuff outside of the gym. And people, even in your case, you were going through stuff probably worse inside of the gym. I mean, I think, well, inside and outside, because I moved here and I didn't know anybody. I was completely on my own. I moved here literally with $5 in my bank account. Like I had, I had no help. I had nothing. I had to grow up pretty fast as a kid. So, and Greg and Amy actually helped me a lot. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be where I am today without them at all. They're like family. That's awesome. Do you have any advice for lifters who are going through that? Maybe it, it might not be the same a relationship with the coach, but maybe they get to a certain weight and they're mental about it. You know, they have breakdowns or clarking lifts. Do you have anything that, that was like your go-to during that time? Um, I can't say what it was my go-to because my go-to was having a panic attack and crying, but I can tell you once I got my head a little bit out of my butt, um, now I would say for people who are really mental, I would honestly, the biggest thing is having that conversation with your coach or having that conversation with someone that you trust and then having them speak truth into you. Because a lot of times we are reacting to a narrative that we've gotten into our head or, um, just, we aren't really being logical and I'm, and whatever we're feeling and going through is completely valid but it's not always truth, right? Um, so having that conversation with our coach or someone that we trust and then allowing them to show up for us in the way that we need them to. And maybe that's like, oh, and okay, maybe we need to go down and work on this. Or like, what exactly are you thinking right now? And then having that internaling positive self-talk. I know it sounds dumb, but it works. Positive self-talk. Even if you sound dumb, you can start just saying it in your head first or something and then practicing visualization. And if you visualize and you just visualize yourself missing all the time, which is something I used to do, I honestly had to step away from, from visualization for a little bit and just focus more on like one or two cues, right? Or just even just like, I'm strong. Like I have very minimal things I tell myself now and that's a place where you want to get, but it's also taken me years to get there. Yeah. And just as an outsider looking at your training on Instagram, one of the things that I notice about you is that you fight for every lift. There's <laughs> there's cleans that sometimes I'm like, how do you stand that up? Is that something that you've worked on with Greg or is that something that you've kind of just always had? Um, I think that's something that I've always kind of just had, like unless I'm passing out and fainting, um, I'm either making the lift or I don't like I'm going to fight. I, I remember one of the first times I had snatch snatches off the blocks at Greg's and in the garage and I did a snatch and I literally had the bar overhead and I stepped onto the block to save my snatch. And he's like, 
drop the bar. Don't do that. You're going to get hurt. But I think it's just something in me where it's like, I'm going to fight until you can't, you literally can't fight. I think that's just innate in me. I don't, I did not work on that. That's just where I'm at. Yeah. That's just pure mental toughness. I think, I don't even know if that's mental toughness. That's just, I want to make this lift. I will make this lift. Like, yeah. I never actually really thought about that. I think I just do it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think one of the biggest things I see, which I don't like about CrossFit, is they teach people how to fail squats. And all the time at my gym, I see people who they just stop moving a little bit and they dump it every single time. They dump it. It drives me nuts because people don't know how to fight for lifts because and maybe not showing how how people how to fail isn't the best course of action. I think everyone should know how to fail but when when it gets tough you have to fight and that that's something that i mean watching your lifts you're like a pro at Uh, yeah i think too like letting people understand that like it's gonna be the one percent of the time when your lift feels perfect and the 99 percent, unless you're someone who's amazing i don't know but like 99 percent of the time you're going to feel off or your lift is going to be a little forward or you're going to whatever. But okay. So say I dump all of those lifts, I'm practicing missing 99% of the time then. Right. Um, but I think people kind of have to learn to be gritty on their own. Honestly, like you can tell someone, I tell my kids all the time, like, okay, it's a little bit forward. That's okay. Settle in the bottom for a minute and then stand up if they're snatching, you know, like, So like you kind of coach someone through that, but at the end of the day, they have to want it and they have to want to fight for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an internal thing. Yeah, for sure. And it's funny hearing you say that you're a coach because somebody who's had a lot of bad experience with coaching, like what made you actually want to do that? I feel like if I had those experiences, I'd be like the last thing I'm ever going to do is be a coach. Oh my gosh. Um, so it's funny. Um, I mean, at the beginning, it was just remote coaching just to like have a little bit of extra income. And then when Cody and Amy opened up CrossFit Magnify, um, Amy had me start going in and covering for her when she couldn't go in. So she did the kids and the weightlifting at that time. Um, and I didn't really like it. To be honest, I didn't really like coaching the kids because I didn't know what I was doing. And it was a CrossFit, like kids strength and conditioning kind of thing. Um, And I think, but I think the reason I didn't like it was because it was, because it was a selfish reason of, I would rather be in the gym training myself. And like, these kids don't know what they're doing. So what the heck, why am I even here kind of thing? But as I've gotten older, not that I'm old, but (laughs) now that I've gotten older, like, my kids, I, I have all the kids classes now. So like, I, I'm the only one at our gym that does the kids classes. And I think that being a coach is such a privilege. Like every time I go in, I get to speak into these kids lives and be I get the privilege of being a part. Of their they are allowing me to be a part of their journey, right. And because I know that when I was a kid, um, all I wanted was to feel heard and to feel seen and to feel loved. And so those, I get the opportunity to do that and be that for those kids. Not that they don't have the other places, but I know that I know everything about these kids. Like I talk to them out of the gym, in the gym, about life, about school, about like these kids. I am a part, you know what I mean? Like I've cultivated a relationship with these kids where it's not just strictly, I think, honestly, I think being a coach in the gym is 5% of what it means to be a coach. So I think that it's one of the most amazing privileges someone can do and get to be a part of is speak into people's lives and listen to their, get to know them. I mean, even coaching grownups, because I coach CrossFit as well, like the grownups, like I know the ins and outs of all of these people's lives because I put in the time to get to know them, you know? And I think that that's, it's a privilege. It's the coolest thing ever. I love to do it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And 
I think that's totally true. The five percent that you're teaching back squats or cleans or what snatches, whatever it might be, but the other ninety five percent is the relationship aspect, the getting to know people, showing that you care, showing up every day. And yeah, and like showing that they matter, knowing everybody's names, uh, like greeting them with their name, using their names, like or like say someone's going through something, like how are you doing about this today, like. I don't really, I don't not enjoy this, but you know, like when someone walks in, you're like, Hey, how are you? And they're like, I'm good. And they're like, it's nice and sunny. You're like, yeah. And that's all you talk. Like that's not connecting with somebody. That's like very surface level. Like, hi, how are you? And yes, there's a place and a time for that. And I do believe like the gym isn't always a place to have those deep conversations or to whatever. But if you, if you show that you care, 99% I found 99% of the time people want to share they want to feel hurt they want to feel seen you know and so yeah I I think that that's I have never had so many people be such family to me um ever like I had to find another place to live more recently and there was like six different families at our gym that were just like hey do you want to come live with us for a while like it was so cool. I didn't know how much I've people cared about me and I've actually impacted you. Like, you don't know. Cause people aren't going to be like, you impact us every day. Yeah. You know, like, but at the end of the day, like I've never had that kind of community. So it was really cool to just, yeah. I think that they're all family to me now. Yeah. I think CrossFit gyms are, are all kind of like that. They had maybe the community isn't as strong as others, but everyone has that sense of you doing something hard together, I think brings people closer when you're Mm -hmm. all going through the suck. If it's a hero workout or whatever it is, like you kind of feel a bond with somebody if you're like, all right, we're both doing this workout that absolutely sucks, but we're going to get through it together. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, anytime you go through anything hard, regardless of what it is, there's a bond that's created there, you know? Yeah. I totally agree. And so you mentioned you're coaching CrossFit. I saw that you recently starting doing CrossFit, which is like weightlifting. People are like, are you serious? You can't be doing CrossFit too. So how'd you get started doing that? I am. I'm doing both now. So I'm in the gym like six or seven hours a day for like two different sessions, but a cumulative of six or seven hours a day. Um, So that started in quarantine. So actually like lifting with Greg, for the whole time up until quarantine was good, but we both knew like there was some, like, I just wasn't, there was no fire. There was no, I was doing it. I don't know really why. Like Greg and I would always have this conversation. He's like, honestly, you've made it this far. I have no clue how, like how you held on this long. Like, and I don't either. It's just something in me, I think. Um, And then, quarantine happened and I was doing a snatch and I was at the gym, which is Cody and his two brothers and his wife. And I was 85 kilos on the bar and I missed it once. So I went to try it again and my knee popped. Um, and I was like, I messed myself. Like right away, I messed myself really bad, but I wanted to finish my training. So then after that, I actually went and snatch balanced 108. And then the next day I couldn't walk. Um, And so I was like, well, crap, I can't lift because I couldn't squat. I could barely walk. What am I supposed to do with myself? Because this was in March, like, or early April, right when quarantine was a thing. So I was like, well, I guess I'll just CrossFit and do what I can. Because you can, you can kind of, you can scale it so that you don't have to bend your knee, but you can like ski or you can toes to bar, you can pull up, you can there's so many things that you can do. So that's when I got into CrossFitting and then Cody was doing it. And so I was like, all right, let's, let's throw down, let's do this. Um, and then I realized that one, I was having a lot of fun and two, I really wasn't very bad at it. Um, and so then we went and then it was like through corn. So then through, like I want to say July or August, maybe July, um, I kind of just started just crossfitting a ton, accessorizing a ton and lifting again because my knee did heal. It took a while. Um, 
And then I was really overtraining myself. So I was always super puffy. I was always hurting. And then finally, Amy was like, Lily, just let me be your CrossFit coach. Like, let help me, help me help you. <laughs> um, so that's kind of how that became to be. And then because I loved CrossFitting, my weightlifting in turn has like skyrocketed pretty much because even though it's way more volume, I'm enjoying what I'm doing again. So it's, and I'm not as mental with my weightlifting. So then I'm better. (laughs) Would you look at that? No one thinks that you can do both though. You can't, I just finished quarterfinals. You can do both. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's definitely hard to do both at a high level, but I'm always surprised at how strong people who do cross it when I see like the regionals and games level athletes, like they are just absolute freaks. They are so strong and so fit. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you can do both. It's just, do you want to do both? Cause your body can handle a lot, honestly. Like I didn't know my body could handle it and it has. And honestly, it feels better than when I was just weightlifting. What are you doing anything outside of the gym recovery wise that you weren't doing before? No, (laughs) (laughs) I still hot tub. I stretch like four times a day. I stretch when I wake up, I stretch before and after training I stretch before bed. Um, I hot tub before bed and then I foam roll morning before and after training and nighttime. And that's it. So that's still a lot for people who don't do anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's still a lot, but it's nothing different than when I did when I just weightlifted. Mm -hmm. Do you have a, is coaching your full-time thing or do you have a full-time job as well? Um, no, I don't have a job. (laughs) Well, okay. That's not true. I do have a job. So I coach at our gym and I work for catalyst athletics. Um, and then I have online clients. So I kind of have like three quarter jobs that equal three, like three fourths a job. Hey, I mean, I'm probably like, (laughs) I mean, it works. Like I'm, I don't, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of expenses, you know, like I'm just living my best life. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. You got to do it while you can, if you can make it work and, and train and you're doing what you love to do. Like, why not? Yeah. I mean, I think it's really important to still practice saving and like, not overspending your means and stuff. So I still am able to do that. And like, I'm probably the poorest, not homeless person you'll ever meet, (laughs) but I love my life. Like, and I think that that is so important. I don't, I really don't think that money is, I think it's important because in it, but it doesn't bring happiness. Maybe it will decrease stress to an extent, but ultimately like, I don't, I think that life is made for deep connection, love, happiness, and like you get one. So why would you be in a, like, I don't know, do something that you hate doing every day of your life just to have money, but then actually not enjoy your life. That sounds bananas to me that people, I mean, good on those people that do that. I'm not judging them at all, but like, I don't want that for myself. I think. Yeah. I think we forget about that too. Like we forget. And now like everything's over zoom and just people forget how important connecting with somebody is and how important it doesn't, you don't have to be a coach, but just going to a gym and just, you know, shaking somebody's hand. And we, uh, I went to a competition recently. My buddy had one and everyone was just normal. And I'm like, Oh my God. And I'm like a huge introvert, but I'm like, this was literally the best day I've had in a year because everyone's just throwing big weights around everyone no nobody's talking about you know the thing everyone's just like having fun throwing down weights and it's like we forgot about this we took it for granted for sure yeah I mean I am very I actually am introverted too um might not seem like it but I am (laughs) um but, but I do like just being able to like be in a gym and connect with people I think that almost the art of con communication has been lost because it's so easy to be a keyboard hero or warrior and whatever it's called hero warrior I don't know but like you can say anything you want over like Instagram or whatever it is but then you would never say that to someone in real life or like 
like I've had someone say like at a meet like hey can I come up and talk to you on uh, like through Instagram I'm like yeah sure of course I would love to talk to you I'd love to meet someone they never came because I it's like but I think it's people for have forgotten how to communicate or like there's so much more anxiety wrapped up around that like when my kids had to go back to school they're like freaking out crying because they're like I I don't know how to do that anymore I don't know how to make friends I don't know you know because that we've been quarantined I don't know yeah yeah it sucks I think the best thing that people can do is get back into the gym and get back to exercise because that's like that's where you create bonds. It doesn't always have to be exercise, but I think that's just such a good way and you're all doing something that's positive. Yeah. I mean, you can create connection any way you want. Go for a hike. Do literally do anything like besides sit in your house <laughs> Yeah. or like don't rely, don't rely on like texting to be your only way of connection or whatever. Cause then you're going to forget how to actually connect to people. And like, we need, like we're humans. We weren't made to do life alone. We weren't made to be alone. We are made literally in the first chapter of the Bible, God created man. He's like, the first thing he said is like, this isn't good. He isn't meant to be alone. And I mean, not just pulling that back to biblical things, but like, just in general, human beings are made to be in connection with other people. We're not made to be alone. Yeah. You know, so yeah, make a friend. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's perfect. Um, so let's just talk about like your uh, platform and stuff like what you use your Instagram for. I, I know you have the, the life lessons page. So I think that's something that's really good. And I want to bring that to more people. So what do you do on there? <laughs> okay um so I have like my normal Instagram and then I have Lily's Life Lessons um which is a page that was inspired by one of my teens because every Friday so they have class Monday Wednesday Friday with me and every Friday at the end of class I would or the beginning class really whenever I felt like I wanted to share a life lesson that I learned I would just start saying stuff that I learned throughout my life or a day or whenever something came up that a kid brought up. And then I would say a lesson that I learned from something like that. They started calling it Lily's life lessons. So every Friday I would tell them a lesson. And then I was like, okay, I don't want to be the only one telling you lessons. I want you guys to share what you guys have learned too. Like your voice is just as important. Um, so we just started going or sitting at the end of class. We'd all just sit in a circle and talk about life and like, lesson they've learned and then one of the kids was like you should start an Instagram page that has lessons and I was like okay that's just how it became so now we have Lily's life lesson forgot to post the ones from Friday so <laughs> I'll do that when we're done <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think that's cool though you're you're kind of just bringing together those connections and yeah, you don't have to be 40 years old anymore to have influence or power. Like you can just, anyone can say anything they want. And yeah, on the internet, that might be a bad thing, but there's a lot of good out there too. Yeah, and, and I think too, like you can learn from any person that you ever talk to. Like anytime you experience anything is an opportunity to learn something, whether it be something you want to implement into your life or something you don't want to be like, do you know what I mean? And you can be more aware of like, Oh, like you watch two people interact and then you see a tendency of someone disconnecting or someone just like doing something. You're like, Oh man, do I do that? And then once that happens, you're more aware and you're like, Oh wow, I do do that. Maybe I need to like be more like actively try and be present or whatever it is. I don't know. I just think that, yeah, you don't need, age is just a number. And I know that sounds super cliche, but it's true. There's some 40-year-olds that I know where I'm like, I, like, I'm dumbfounded. By the time I'm done listening to them, I'm like, you, like, I love you, but what? <laughs> you know, but it's because they weren't given, they either didn't seek it out because literally there's any resource for you to find how to communicate better or to, change your life or do whatever you want to do. Like there's any resources out there, but it's like some people haven't 
we're never given the tools to do that, which then you have compassion for. You're like, wow, you lived 40 years in the way that you're thinking and, and now you're trying to change it. It's going to be harder to change because that's something that you lived with for 40 years, which is like, and I don't mean to make that sound like I'm judging them at all, but it's like, I've definitely gone on this journey of like, I don't want to live in with like repressed my whole life with my emotions or like not understand myself or whatever it is. So yeah, I think age is just a number. Are there any books you're reading or journaling that you're doing on a daily basis? Anything that you would recommend to people? Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, (laughs) um, Well, I journal every day already. Um, And like for my journal, I mean, I, I recommend journaling to people all the time. I highly recommend it. Yes, sometimes it's um, like boring and annoying and maybe inconvenient, but you will never lose by sitting down and journaling. You will never lose anything. Maybe you won't feel like you gained a ton, but I promise you, you will never lose. Um, And like with, with journaling, if it's in the morning, I would say three things you're grateful for, three things you're proud of yourself for, and kind of what your day is going to look like. So kind of manifesting your day, right? And then um, at the end of the day, just write about your day, honestly. Like what do you, what happened that day? And just kind of go through your day because there's a lot of thoughts and things that will actually come up that you would have never processed through if you hadn't taken the time to journal. And I know that that's boring. I get it. Sometimes I don't want to do it either. Sometimes I don't do it, but I will say I've noticed a huge difference in when I do and don't journal with my mental state. Um, and then with reading, oh shoot, what was the book that I just read? Uh, okay, okay, I know, okay, this book is amazing. It is faith-based, so, but I, I honestly read, recommend it to anybody. It's a really good book. It's don't get turned off by the um, title, <laughs> but it's a really good book and it's called The Meaning of Marriage. It's but but it's not just about marriage. Like it, there's so many tools in there that is for just friendship and relationship in general. So I highly recommend that for a book. And then I listen to so many podcasts. Um, so a few that I would recommend that have been like life-changing for me uh the fail journal the liberation project the connected life becoming something and the porch okay i'm gonna have to go back i'm gonna have to go back and listen to them myself because uh i i need some new podcasts as well they i okay they are amazing but if you want to those are like informational what like i binge podcasts pretty much those are the ones that i like listen to to learn and then like for funsies um (laughs) i listen to um like sean johnson and andrew east their podcast couple things they're just funny they they like interview um they interview famous couples like and they're pretty funny and then um, Paleo MG, I listened to her podcast. I haven't listened to, but those are like the two funsies that I listen to. But besides that, I really just try and be educated and learn just how to commu- I know I've said this a hundred times, but just how people tick and how people communicate and where they're coming from is so interesting to me. It's so interesting. And I want to hear about everyone's life my whole, the whole time I'm living, like, that is just what I love to do. And I just finished doing a course called Living Fully Alive. Life-changing. Who's that by? Is there? Abby and, uh, it's by Abby and Justin Stumball. They're life consultants. Um, and I know it sounds foofy and some people probably wouldn't believe in it, but they take sacred and secular and combine the two. Um, so like they take like faith and psychology combine the two and they help you better understand and work through like your triggers your 
understanding your emotions, understanding other people's emotions, understanding how to communicate, understanding how to live just like a freer life. It's so good. But also it's not everyone's cup of tea. So yeah, well, that's just awesome that you're dedicated to learning. Like we have, we have so much time and, and we found out this year that it's going to pass either way and you can spend it listening to true crime podcasts about murder or you can, which is what I've been doing lately, but it's oh like you can, there's so many resources out there. So yeah. I'm definitely going to look at some of the podcasts that, that you told us. And then where can people find you if they want to learn more? Uh, my Instagram that's all I got. <laughs> I don't really, I mean, and I, I mean, I'm on my Instagram, but I don't really feel like I'm on it. I don't post every day. Sometimes I don't post for two weeks. I mean, I don't know. I think, yeah, you, you're going to get what you get when I'm on there, <laughs> but I, I prefer to try and stay off of it more. So I think, well, especially now because I have a concussion, so I can't go on my phone a lot. But just in general, I prefer to um, be like in person with the people I'm around. I think that's the most important thing. But I do kill time on Instagram sometimes. Too. Yeah, 100%. Well, thanks for coming on. This was really fun. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm not sure if you caught that at the end there, but Lily did mention that she had a concussion at the time that we were recording. So big shout out to her for making it through the entire episode. If you want to continue the conversation with her, just click on Lily in the show notes and it'll take you right to her Instagram page. And if you want to support me, just let a friend know that you like the Better Than Yesterday podcast and that they should tune in. So thank you guys so much for the support. I really appreciate all of you and I look forward to talking to you on the next one.